welcome to episode four of the Awake Not Woke podcast. Um, This episode is going to be about symbolism and it's a very much an umbrella episode. I feel like a lot of our episodes here at the beginning of this Awake Not Woke journey are going to be relatively umbrella in nature because a lot of these subjects that we want to talk about are very, very, very broad. And I want to spend some time talking about them broadly before we dive down into the nitty gritty details. Um, Symbolism is something that we will find across the board with these occult subjects. Um, There is symbolism in literally everything. Uh, We live in a world of symbolism. We'll get into that. We'll get into archetypes. Um, But there will be future episodes diving into the little details of all of these subjects. So we're going to talk a little bit about the zodiac and astrology and tarot cards and archetypes and all that. But again, future episodes, more specific. So if you have any questions, suggestions, anything of that nature, send us a DM or a uh, email. We have a website where you can use our contact form, awakenotwokepodcast.com or DM us on Instagram. That's usually the easiest way at Awake Not Woke Podcast on Instagram. And yeah, we're just super excited for everything that's that's happening. We're getting some activity over there on the Instagram. We are also now a part of the podcast co-op, Alt Media United. I'm so excited because Sam Tripoli and Tinfoil Hat is in this podcast collective. Uh, we are moving up in the world. I'm... I'm sure that there will be a lot more to talk about by the time this podcast actually comes out, but I'm recording this intro early, so stay tuned. Check out the Instagram, check out everything, hit me up. Without further ado, episode four on symbolism. Hi, welcome to Awake Not Woke podcast. My name's Chas and I am here with Sarah. And today mm-hmm. our episode is going to be focusing on symbolism and uh, we're going to break down why it's important, um, some of the origins and meanings, some specific symbols, and we'll break those down too and explain what they mean. Um, and yeah, we'll cover a lot of really good stuff today. I'm excited. So here we go. Yeah, so before we get into symbolism, um, at the start of every episode, Chas and I are going to start doing this thing called Telepa What? The segment. (laughs) That's what this is called. Telepa What? Because we came up with this experiment a little while ago and we were going to do it just for fun, but we figured why not put it in the podcast. So starting today, we are going to weekly decide on a category and Chas and I are each going to choose a secret word from that category to um to telepathy project that word to the other person uh (laughs) we were trying to come up with a name for this segment and that's when (laughs) telepa what came from because we couldn't think of anything else to call it and that was perfect because how else do you describe this 
strange occurrence. Also, who does this in their free time? Right. (laughs) (laughs) So it just works. Works with the vibe. Yeah. So we're going to start with the category colors. So we're going to decide on a color and we're going to project that color to the other person. Um, And then next week we're going to guess and then choose a new category. Um, We're going to pick something really specific. We're going to project that color in that energy to that person. So I'm going to use this as an example. So you can't use this color. But if you were to guess like a bright neon green or something and my color was chartreuse and you Google that color and you see this violent neon green, that's pretty close. We're going to consider that a win. Cool. Um, So let's take a minute and... We're going to think of a color and then we will write it down and we'll move on to symbolism. Let's go. Yay. Okay. I've got my color already. I was marinating while you were talking. Perfect. Um, Don't I, look. I'm writing it down. Oh, okay. I, 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 I already know mine. I'm going to go with my first instinct because this was the first color I thought of earlier. So I'm not even going to write not it down. Not chartreuse. Not chartreuse. That's just, I really like the name and it's a, such a specific color that is very specific. Uh, but the one I got is good too. Cool. Anyway, so symbolism, symbolic meanings of things, archetypes, dream symbolism, uh, language, all these are things that fall under the category of symbolism. Um, so why are we talking about this topic right now? I'm going to talk about something a little, uh, it's going to sound off topic at first, but it's going to make sense. I'm going to bring it, bring it all back around. So there is a CIA document out there called, I believe it's called the gateway experience. And, um, It is just this crazy document about uh, astral projection in the, I believe, 60s, 60s and 70s, and the experiments the CIA did with astral projection, and they used what they called the gateway experience, and it was done by the Monroe Institute. They're still around. You can pay a couple grand and uh, get the gateway experience now. Um, but I wanted to read this segment from this CIA document from the 60s or 70s or whatever it is and pull that back around with why symbolism is important from a spiritual perspective. To date, according to one of the trainers at Monroe Institute, numerous experiments have been conducted involving persons moving from one coast to the other in the out-of-body state to read a series of 10 computer-generated numbers in a university lab. Although most have acquired enough of the digits to make clear that their consciousness was present, uh, none, however, succeeded in getting all 10 correct. This seems to be a function of the fact that physical reality in the present is not the only holographic influence in which the individual may encounter an out-of-body state. There are also energy patterns left by people or events occurring at the same physical site being viewed, but from the past, and I added, or future, rather than the present. In addition, since thoughts are the product of energy patterns, and energy patterns are reality, 
It may also be possible that individuals encounter thought forms while in an out-of-body state, which mingle with the physical reality. Okay, so I wanted to bring that in because these experiments involve people leaving their physical body and going into this astral uh, non-physical realm. Um, And this is the realm of symbols, and it's going to be the realm that a lot of the symbolic meaning that symbols hold, that's where this is coming from, is this uh, thought form out of body realm where these people are going and encountering these thought forms. Um, Because if you think about it, if even the most modern of symbols like the McDonald's arches, (sighs) you think of that and you can... see those mcdonald's arches in your your brain right there yeah so you're pulling that from somewhere and that is the thought form and we talked about the green unicorn like that exists somewhere you're thinking of that it manifests in your your mind's eye that is a thought form that exists now in this physical place so just like in the gateway experience experiments if we were to astral project in this room right now we might encounter a green unicorn and a mcdonald's arch because those thought forms are now here so those are symbols that are now implanted in this room in this space in this time and we are pulling that symbolism from these other realms also just to add on to the gateway experience uh, that was my only direct quote But to solve this issue where they were only getting some of the 10 digits, they ended up sending three astral projectors. They sent three people and they sent one to the just moment that had passed, one in the present and one in the moment in the just future. And they were able to compile enough information to guess almost all 10 numbers correctly. Um, Dang. Yes, that's it's a crazy document. Check it out. It's that's the the only part I wanted to bring up, but there's a lot more in that document. Um, but I wanted to bring that up because it just it brings into perspective how these symbols are. Yes, they are imprinted with our own personal viewpoints on them. So the cross is a very polarized symbol. It might bring negative connotations or it might bring positive connotations depending on your personal experience with that religion um but then there's symbols that we all recognize universally right um so thought forms um they are existing on this realm also and we are applying symbols with our own personal meaning but People in the past have done this as well. Um, And there are many different places that these symbols build up meaning over time. And there are certain symbols that just hold so much energy and so much meaning that you can learn a lot from them. One of those symbols is the tree of life and the entire Kabbalah two episodes that it ended up being that... (laughs) is all about one single symbol because so many people, it is said that that information came from like the ancient rabbis at the beginning of the world. Like it it was past, like that was the first information. Um, So this is really important and a really, a really important broad subject that we're talking about right now. So I was having a hard time writing my notes for this because there's just so much. 
Um, but when you are o- awakening and when you are in this awakening process, you have to learn that there are these other dimensions, there are these thought forms, and there are also other beings that exist without physical form that are communicating with you and working with you on these other levels. And symbolism is the language that they use. Symbolism is the language of the divine. Right. Um, We are but archetypes of a more perfect image of what we are right now. They we there is that perfect archetype of everything that exists before it falls down the tree of life into existence into earth and becomes the imperfect physical version that it is now um we'll get into archetypes in a minute but uh again when you're waking up you have to be able to see these signs and these symbols that will help you on this awakening process um whether you look at them as your higher self um your higher self your subconscious self can communicate with you on a subconscious level or if you believe in angels and guardian angels or even loved ones that have passed they can communicate from the other side as well and a lot of people think of like ghosts when you think of past relatives communicating with you and you think you're gonna like see a full apparition and while i believe that is possible it's way easier just to go forward in time a little bit because time doesn't exist on those dimensions and see if I make her look at the clock at 444 and it'll remind her of me because of this, that, and the other thing, that's a lot easier, but you just have to be awake to see that. Right. And notice the repetition. Yeah. So I talked about how a lot of people can make fun of seeing repeating numbers and say, you're just looking for it. But when you aren't looking for it necessarily, but you're recognizing the meaning behind it, the frequency of these repeating numbers, the occurrence goes up an astronomical amount. And I think Chas can agree with me on that. A hundred percent. I mean, it's, it's nuts when you start to recognize Oh, when I'm thinking about this, I see a bunch of threes. And oh, when I am th- I need to remember this, I see a bunch of ones. Or oh, when I need to remember this, I see a bunch of sevens. And when you understand the symbolism behind those numbers and understand the connection between your thought forms that exist in those dimensions and then the other beings that are by your side rooting for you or possibly even trying to hold you back and those signs that are either holding you in those cycles or breaking you out of them. Yeah. That's one thing that I really like about um, going back to Kabbalah, which I know we've spent a lot of time talking about, but they're very clear about it's not the, it's not the talesman, right? It's the meaning behind it. So it's not necessarily the numbers, the Mm -hmm. repeating four, four, fours. It's what you were saying. It's what's behind it. It's the meaning behind that. That is the divination portion that I really connect with because I feel like, it's heavily associated with your feeling because when you make that connection, you have a feeling that follows it. And that sometimes that's even what makes me look at the clock mm-hmm. is because I'm like, Oh, and then I look and it's three, three, three. Right. So it's just, it's all about the symbolism behind the symbol or the meaning behind it. Right. And once we understand the meaning of the symbol, 
we can understand the context that it's being used and we suddenly have a broader perspective of our spiritual journey on a personal level and how we can use these symbols and these deeper understandings uh, to, to bring ourselves to higher consciousnesses. Um, let's just talk about some, like, let's list some things that could be symbols for a second. Um, so numbers, obviously repeating numbers, uh, and just let's, let's do like a brief rapid fire sec for a second about numbers and what they mean. Right. So zero, that is the absence of the absolute possibility. Uh, the fool card is numbered zero. Yeah. Um, it's, it's not negative or positive. It's right in the middle. It's the only number like that. Um, so it's kind of like the, ex the non-existence, the negative existence, because negative numbers aren't exactly like a negative times a negative just equals a positive. So they're not n lesser. You yeah. know what I mean? There's still a whole negative number, but zero exists on its own. And then one. So the one thing, the higher perspective, uh, the, the divinity, God. Right. Uh, two is that duality, the, the, divine, the divine feminine, the divine masculine. Three is the union and the trinity of those, one and two. Yeah. Uh, four is the four elements. Um, you could also use that as the trinity in relation to earth is, yeah. is a four. Um, because the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, that's still not us. That's the yeah. Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And you have that fourth, that earth, that Malkut uh, sphere there. Uh, and then you have five, the the union of the four elements and the fifth, which is spirit. And that all, that the water, fire, earth, and air, those elemental energies and the union with the one, which makes all of them up. Um, and you could keep going. Seven is the seven steps of alchemy. Twelve is two of seven. Oh, no, that's not right. Math <laughs> is hard. I'm, I'm so bad at simple math. But anyway, uh, 12 is the zodiac. Yes. Uh, there's yeah. so many different symbols and different overlying meanings behind all these symbols. But that's just like a quick example of numbers and how they can be used as symbols. Uh, things in nature. So flowers herbs uh those can all be used as symbols we've all trees. heard of right like trees uh different types of trees um shapes triangles circles lines dots uh the ves the vesica pisces uh sacred geometry uh colors yeah um animals all, all art there's a lot of shit ton of symbolism in art i mean Art uses a lot of the things we listed in their symbolism, but we could talk about art symbolism for, I Days. mean, there's whole podcasts about it. Right. So, um, and I wanted to talk about n not only where the meaning of these symbols comes from, but where it comes from historically. So uh, history's probably fake. But <laughs> <laughs> despite that, um, we have evidence of symbols being used in so many different ancient societies. We have ancient artifacts. There are 
multiple different cultures across the world that have been u- using the flower of life symbol in their architecture unrelated to each other. So they somehow used the same complex circular symbol in their artwork and their architecture unintentionally. I think not. Um, <laughs> but it's it's the most primordial way of communicating yeah and of concealing right and you can think of hieroglyphics and that's what i was just thinking right the the, hello what (laughs) (laughs) i love it this is gonna be like we need a hashtag for this hashtag tell what tell us your telepathy stories (laughs) um but yeah the hieroglyphics i mean even language itself is just a bunch of symbolic letters that represent noises that represent larger noises that represent things um so it's it's a very very broad and important subject especially to occult and spiritual minded people and i think it's important also to remember that as modern day people we're not ancient people uh there's a lot of symbols that have built up a meaning for a very long time and that have very ancient meanings behind it, like the flower of life, like the tree of life, like sacred geometry and these numbers. And these are very ancient symbols, but they're also very modern symbols. And it's important to remember that these meanings aren't correct or incorrect, um, but they, they're just, um, it just matters what you apply that meaning to. So, some people like to use that as discreditment, but it's it's the whole point. We are part of the all. We are creating this universe. We are participating in the matrix. So the meaning that our ancestors have applied to the symbol is important. And yeah. the meaning that we apply to it is important. And if our meaning, it will be slightly different than our ancestors meaning like the cross means something very different to you than it right. does to your ancestors. Right. Um, so that meaning is going to mean w- just as much as the meaning that has been applied to it all this time. And it's just going to get added into that broader meaning and can be applied in a more broader perspective that's why some symbols are just so recognizable like the mcdonald's arches it's just so right or a peace sign or the yin yang or uh i mean even like a hashtag symbol at this point it used to be a pound symbol like we all know what that generally means it's going to be like a number or a hashtag or something like that right but hashtag where that's a very new term but everyone knows what it means you again I said hashtag and you're picturing the little crossy symbol right now and it's somewhere in your mind's eye and that thought form exists outside of your mind in a different dimension. I think it's important too to acknowledge, I mean, I know people like to discredit symbolism, signs, all of that, but it's truly powerful, especially if you have that direct, genuine intent behind it. I mean, it's it can be used for good, it can be used for bad, but like Either way, you can't deny that there is power in that type of intention. Right. Right. And um, marketing, which we're going to get into archetypes next. um, But marketing uses these techniques all the time. And again, whether it's for good or for bad, it's not really about that. It's just about understanding that there there are symbols there and they are there 
for our use and for our knowledge and for our uh for our existence with them we are a symbol in ourselves right. um and let's get into archetypes so Carl Jung coined the term and he proposed that, that these special symbols were archaic forms of innate human knowledge passed through the collective unconscious. Um, the, the, the word archetype means original pattern in ancient Greek. So that tells you a lot about what that means. It's the yeah. original imprint as it fell from Kether, from God, as these Forms of life were 3D printed into existence, so to speak. Um, there was a pattern or a uh, program, a outline that was used to create them. So in the Bible, when it says like we were made in the image of God, yeah. that's kind of we were made in the archetype of God. And what is the archetype of God of, is an old man, a person. Right. And then what is the archetype of Shakma? Again, the God. And then Bina is the crone. So again, we're made in the image of those things. So that is our archetype. It has nothing to do with power or yeah. like what you like the good or bad, like you were saying. Right. Right. So, um, and because we live in a mental universe, which we talked about a little bit in the first episode, we are in a universe that is a projection from the mind of God, the matrix, a simulation, whatever you want to call it, because that's the universe we live in. The meaning of these symbols in these archetypes, they come from the all, but since we are also part of the all, we create the thought forms that enter the collective unconscious and play a role in shaping the symbolic meanings. I feel like I've said this, I've repeated myself a few times on this now, but it's just so important to understand that because there is a broader meaning, but you are imprinting that meaning every moment. You are applying the input to the matrix and it will supply output in the form of synchronicities and coincidences and miracles and perfect examples and circumstances to learn the exact things that you need yeah um and these symbols and these archetypes all play a role in that um carl Jung came up with this because he would talk to his psychology patients and he was really into dream analysis and he found that a lot of his patients would have very similar symbols in all their dreams even if they weren't like talking about them or anything like that they were just telling him um, and then he would start showing them symbols and it would trigger more memories of dreams they had. Like, oh my gosh, I've seen that in my dream. And then he would show like other patients the symbols and they'd be like, I have seen that in my dream. So these symbols are universal. Um, they get imprinted into this collective unconscious and they remain there pretty sturdily. So we can use this concept to have some pretty startling uh, results. Um, we'll get to some uses of symbols and some specific symbols in a minute. But sticking to archetypes, let's talk about just a few archetypes for a second. So the mother is always one that is good. That general playing of a mother. There's the empty room, the kiss, the seedling. Like these are all just right. like very generic topics. Uh, they sound very... Uh, they're just kind of 
ordinary things that they almost when you say them out loud the unseen yeah um they sound like just certain phrases but when you dig deeper in them the unseen so that could be somebody who feels unseen that could be literally people being abducted that could be in reference to sex trafficking that could be uh in reference to supernatural and higher beings and and aliens that could be in reference of uh, it could be so many different things so right so these archetypes don't always have to be as clear-cut as the mother but they don't always have to be as broad as the unseen um you may have also, if any of you have gone to business school or taken marketing classes, they sometimes talk about the 12 archetypes of marketing or the 12 Jungian archetypes. And I just want to list those real quick because it'll be a good segue into the 12 zodiacs. Uh, so I'm just going to run through the list and then we'll get into zodiacs because I don't know a lot about the 12 marketing archetypes, but I do know a bit about our zodiacs and I I know a lot about Chas and I zodiacs at least um, <laughs> and the zodiacs of people in my life. So we'll talk about those symbols in a minute, but let's just use this as a nice segue because they do all relate. And I did find some correspondence between the 12 archetypes and the 12 zodiacs. So in no per, uh, yeah, in no particular order, I think this is just the order the archetypes l- were listed. So I don't know if those are in a particular order, but the uh, zodiacs are not in a particular order. So the ruler is the first archetype, and that is correspondent with Aries. Um, there's the creator or the artist, which is Pisces. Uh, the sage, which is Virgo, which is my sign. Um, and I am a triple Virgo. I have a sun, moon, and rising in Virgo, which is a lot of Virgo. A lot of Virgo. But it makes me a good representation of like the archetype of Virgo. So we'll talk about that in a minute. Um, the innocent corresponds with Aquarius. The explorer is Sagittarius. The rebel is Scorpio. The hero, Leo. The wizard or the magician is Capricorn. Uh, the jester is Gemini. The everyman is Taurus. The lover is Libra, which is Chasse's sun sign. Hey. And the caregiver is Cancer. Um, so again, pretty much every archetype stereotype that applies to Virgo, for example, can be applied to the sage archetype because they are different but also very similar, just as in the Kabbalah. Many symbols can be applied to the spheres, even though... They can also be applied to other spheres. They're very abstract and fluid in their meanings. Um, But let's talk about zodiacs for a minute. Um, This is not like the woke zodiac. Like, oh my God, what is your sun sign? You're a Scorpio. I fucking hate you. Or like, who should I marry? I am Libra. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Googles. Oh, can't date you. You are a Leo. Bye. Nope, that's not what we're talking about. But the ancient practice of astrology is really, really interesting. And it has nothing to do with the actual stars and the constellations. Um, It's kind of funny, actually, if you like use good old Google and search like, is astrology real? There's like a website from NASA or some shit that comes up and it's like, astrology is not real because the 
the constellations aren't even in those places in the sky. So there's no, no such thing as astrology because this sign is different than where it says it is in the sky. It has nothing to do with where the constellations are in the sky. It all is about energy and the shift in energy and ancient societies by watching the constellations in the past have learned that over time these energies shift and they just used the names of the constellations and the symbols of the constellations as their symbols for these energies because they didn't have anything else. So astrology is a very ancient, very, very broadly studied subject. And we should be slightly weary about some of the modern interpretations of things. Um, but the ancient interpretations of things are pretty freaking solid. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about Virgo for a second, because that's my sign. And I have actually five Virgo placements. Um, my sun, moon, and rising are in Virgo. And I have a Venus and a Mercury in Virgo. And Virgo is ruled by the planet Mercury. So that means my I'm, I'm very Virgo, pretty much. If you have a planet in the sign that it's ruled in by and vice versa, that just makes it that much stronger. Um, so the symbol for the Virgo is the harvest goddess or the virgin. Um, it's my birthday is in August. So uh, end of August, September is Virgo season. So it is the time of harvest and the time of uh, getting ready for winter and stocking up and paying attention to all those little details before winter comes. So all that symbolism in the harvest goddess and the virgin, um, the virgin is a, a woman who is fertile and ready to have children, but who is not. Uh, it's full of potential. Um, we are very detail-oriented people. We are not always neat. <laughs> that is a myth. I am not a neat person, but I am very organized and meticulous in very different ways. Um, so there's a lot of symbolism in that. And when your sun sign doesn't necessarily apply to you, you want to check out the rest of your chart because you could have like a moon in Aries, Me? like Chass. Um, but if you had a moon in Aries and a moon in Mars, for example, a moon in Aries and a Mars in Aries, for example, you'd have a lot of Aries energy right, because right, right. Aries is ruled by Mars and Mars would be personalized for you. So therefore all Aries planets would be a little more amplified and you may be somebody who like your Aries moon would come out a little more often. Um, I don't know what your Mars sign is, so... Or do you have your, your co-star out right now? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. I, I should get that too. Hold on. Oh, you have Mars and Libra. So that's with your sun sign. Libra is ruled by Venus. Yeah, and your Venus is in Leo. So yeah, that 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 makes sense for you too because you do have a very fluid personality. Right. So someone like me who has a very steady personality I'm pretty much the same around everybody um it doesn't change very much because I have a very strong aspect in one sign you have a lot of different balance and a lot of different signs in different not conflicting I'm not too much into all the the uh aspects of the planets yet um there's a lot of symbolism in astrology, but just talking about specifically the signs and the planets and how they relate to each other not getting into how they relate to one another, um, like the planets to other planets. Um, 
yeah that's whole other podcast whole other podcast um but libra is ruled by venus and your your symbol is the scales and that is something that has been very consistent with your personality and in a symbol that has been useful for you in your life yeah i am literally a scale um, I'm always forever tipping from one side to the next. It just depends on the day. Um, typically, I find that whoever I'm hanging out with is usually the other side of that scale. But that doesn't mean I don't possess both qualities. It just means when I'm around said person, they push down that side of my scale more, allowing my other yeah. side to come up to balance, which explains my why I'm not consistent in my personality right. around so many people. Because it depends on Because it with. depends on who I'm with because that's what allows me to remain in balance. I adjust myself in accordance to what's around me, basically, and that allows right. me to thrive. Um, but the Libra scales really... I-, I was doing some research, actually, on the scales, so while we're talking about it, um, I read that they really became a symbol of balance of justice and harmony um, back in like the golden age of Rome. Um, one other thing about the sign that I find interesting too, is I was reading that it's like the sun coming up over the horizon. And I just found that very, it was different than what I had been thinking about scales the whole entire time. But I just thought it was interesting because it's one symbol that can have multiple different meanings. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so many different meanings and that's kind of just how all symbols are going to be um so i it's having conversations like this involve a lot of going around in circles because we have to keep talking about all these different things from different perspectives um and one more i just wanted to talk about the sign of aries too because your significant other is a virgo also so a lot of that energy around you literally Every, Every other, other friend <laughs> I have is a Virgo. <laughs> you need that earth energy. You got a lot of air in your chart. Yeah, I'm just floating around right. a lot. But my significant other, my boyfriend, his his sign is an Aries. So I wanted to talk about that because he's very Aries. Um, Aries symbol is the ram. And if you just think of rams, they're just like feisty little creatures. They'll just like just all of a sudden ram you literally from nothing i'm smiling right now even though you can't see it because my moon is in aries so when she talks about her significant other yeah because aries rules my emotions in that way i feel like i just can relate so hard (laughs) yeah and i also feel like i'm being low-key called out but it's fine it's okay (laughs) his well his moon is sagittarius so he's double fire and then he has a rising gemini so a lot of hot air there love him but a lot of hot air there. Um, but the Aries Ram symbolism is very childlike. It's very energetic. They can't stop moving. Um, yeah, but it's it's a great energy. It just depends on whether or not you can channel that energy into something that is productive instead of something that's destructive, which... Aries can do actually my other really good friend I'm he doesn't care if I say his name uh my good friend Andrew he took out his pool I hope he doesn't mind me telling this story I'm gonna I'm gonna call him out on it though he's an Aries and he just they couldn't get the the chemicals right in their pool so he hooked up a a like his lawnmower to the edge of the pool and just took it out 
So, what? So that's an impulsive Aries move. He just because it, it was an above ground pool, so he just like put a chain to the side of the pool and destroyed the pool. Oh my god! Yeah, we got to have him on the podcast. He has a lot of interesting stories, so I'm just gonna I'm gonna throw him out there. But yeah, that's an Aries impulsive move for ya. Um, I have a lot of Aries in my life. You have a lot of Virgos. I have a lot of air signs and Aries. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyway, that leads us. So I want Chas took a lot of notes on biblical symbolism because she is the one with the uh, more Christian background than I. Um, but we both took notes on tarot as well. So I'm going to let her take it away with her symbolism notes here. Um, and yeah, we're just going to talk about some specific symbols that we took notes on just to give you some examples on what symbols are and if you want to look these up while you listen to them so you can get an idea of how to apply symbols and meaning to them. Okay. So some symbolism that I'm going to talk about is going to be related to biblical biblical symbolism um, and some research that I had done on that. It kind of draws from my upbringing like I have explained previously. So I was raised in a very, very religious church. Um, where I pretty much heard Bible stories and everything in relation to the Bible since I can remember. I mean, it was from born to 18. So um, some of the symbols are, you know, pretty well known. For instance, the rainbow is God's promise. Put it in the sky when the flood happened as a promise mm-hmm. to the people that he would never destroy the earth again. Um, another symbol that I found was from 1 Corinthians twelve twenty-seven, which is a verse in the Bible. Um, so it refers to the body of Christ, which is us. It's the primordial soup. Yeah. I mean, so it says now you are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. So if you, even if you are using the Bible as some sort of guidebook, how to live your life, I mean, literally read that verse. It's talking about how you are a part of something greater, which Mm -hmm. makes you the essence of that great thing. The one, um, also, the Stairway to Heaven, there's obviously the song, the classic Led Zeppelin song, yeah. but that's the way to God, you nice. know? Um, Genesis it talks about, you know, the way to God being a stairway up to the sky, even in the New Testament when you get into the book of John. Um, another one that I found in Revelation, which I've actually heard this previously, I know that eventually we'll get into an episode more related to conspiracy type things, but um, basically... In Revelation, and actually in multiple places throughout the Bible, but for this example, in Revelation, trumpets is equated to a symbol of God speaking. So just like a little pre-conspiracy theory preview, I once read a theory about trumpets being the symbol of God speaking and Donald J. Trump being a representation of the trumpet. And Um, the media is now calling people who speak for trump and who like trump they're calling them trumpeters <laughs> i'm not even joking no agenda it's all just talks about that. i just can't it is it's crazy yeah so yeah i just i found that super interesting um if even if you're not interested in reading the bible the book of revelations is really really yeah. crazy it just has lots of weird shit so i'd highly recommend the, it. The, the horseman there's all kinds of stuff in there the horseman is talking about an evil woman which who even knows who that I it doesn't matter but know thyself did a really good episode on the four horsemen and the symbolism 
yeah than that there's there's so so much um so I, I could go for days about biblical symbolisms um yeah. but i did pick one to focus on because i f- a you suggested it and we talked about it but b mm-hmm. it's a pretty well-known symbol so um i took some notes on the cross and yep. crucifixion so christianity holds so much weight in the cross, I feel like, I mean, it, I guess it's dependent on the person to the subscriber of the religion, yeah, how much sure. weight you put in said symbol. Um, but many associate the cross with the crucifixion of Jesus. Um, if you know the story of the crucifixion, Jesus was crucified three days later, God rose him from the dead and then the ascension happened. So there's a lot behind that three, three days. Yes. Too. The three days at, the, the trinity i mean there, there's so much i mean that in itself the crucifixion the going for three days and right. then the rising again that in itself is a symbol um it's also a symbol of you know being baptized repenting mm-hmm. for your sins you're dying to the flesh um you're dying to yourself really and then you're being forgiven and you're essentially being born again so all it means it to me is that you got to let some shit go to be able yeah. to high, just vibrate at a higher level of consciousness. Detachment. Yeah. Um, and that is how you connect with God and how you connect with your higher self, which is God. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess hell yeah to being born again. But like you definitely don't have to be convicted about every little thing you do. Right. Like feeling bad about anything at all. I mean, you just it, the whole point of dying to yourself and to the flesh is just to let go. Right. To let go of your expectations, to let go of the idea that you know or can control right. you know what can happen. No, all you can do is control yourself and that ultimately impacts what happens, but for sure. Here nor there. Um one thing that I read from the Secret Teachings of All Ages, I think is what it's called by, by Manly P. P. Hall. Mm-hmm. Um there's a segment in that book of talking about the crucifixion of Christ and the power of the blood that shed. And a lot of Christians you'll hear about, you know, talking about the power of the blood and how we're washed in the blood and all of those things. There's so much power in, in blood. And it, (laughs) (laughs) one thing that Manly P. Hall says that essentially um, it all relates back to sun worship, which I think is really interesting because then that, takes you right back into zodiacs and and all these crazy things but every year the sun we have winter so the sun dies in a sense it goes into the tomb so jesus went into the tomb and then it ultimately rises again yep that's ascension yep that's the high i mean it's all a symbol for a symbol and a symbol and it's crazy how um and just a little tidbit there that's why christians have their church on sundays Yes. And I believe, uh, I believe. And because it's the day, like the Sabbath, like the, the day of rest. Too, no, right. When and G- God was created. And the, and the Jewish Sabbath is, I believe, on Saturday. And they hold Saturn to be very close in their worship. It just all goes back to these freaking yeah. planets. And ugh. anyway, yeah. Um you know, and the cross and crucifixion is actually not specific just to Christianity. Mm-hmm. So, so many religions have this basic tenet of someone sacrificing themselves for the good of all man, dying, Super. and then 
yeah, exactly. And then like being born again or ascending. I mean, it's in so many religions, so it's not specific to Christianity, which I thought was kind of interesting because I definitely feel that when you think of the cross, you heavily associate that with like a church or like a Christian church. Um, yeah. So the cross and crucifixion isn't specific just to Christianity. Um, in many other religions, people are martyred for the greater good they're put on crosses or trees so it's it's widespread it's a pretty common theme um which i think is why the the cross and the idea of crucifixion is so interesting and symbolic Mm -hmm. um another symbol that i have a connection to uh this also everything relates back to kabbalah in my brain so sorry (laughs) but but that's why we did the episode first and that's why we talked for three hours yeah and we'll probably do like part four there's gonna be more five, i mean i'm gonna talk about 12. it right now so <laughs> <laughs> basically um the symbol aleph yep. it is associated uh f- well first of all it's the first letter of the hebrew alphabet um and it's associated with the 11th path uh chakma it's associated with the ox trump the fool yep. uh you know just all of all of those things zero zero um it's also a representative of the oneness of god um in the bible so one thing this is just kind of a personal revelation thought and i know i've shared it with you too this was when i was reading kabbalah that i had this so this i'm sure we'll have an episode about this type of thought form as well but the idea that we chose to incarnate here And that we chose basically the path that we're on or the path that we incarnated to. So when we forgot when we were born into that. Exactly. And when we come here, we forget. We don't know. So I had this kind of personal revelation when I was reading Mystical Kabbalah with Aleph. The um, it might give a little bit of myself away if you know this. But anyway, the church that I grew up in the symbol Aleph was everywhere. Okay. I mean, it was on, it was on the choir robes. It was on the carpet. It was on the outside of the building. I mean, literally so many places. So I had seen this symbol all my life growing up and I really didn't know what it truly meant until I read Kabbalah in December. Mm -hmm. Um, But what I found so interesting is that I chose to incarnate here and I always kind of uh, ran away from my religious upbringing when I left because there was just a lot of things that I associated with it that didn't make me feel the best at the time. Um, But ultimately what I learned when I read Kabbalah and when I was reminded of the symbol is that I put myself in an environment directly where I would try to help myself remember who I am. Surrounded by that symbol. And that's, I was surrounded. I wore it. I mean, (laughs) like, and what we just talked about to just bring it full circle real quick, all that, collective unconscious symbolism behind Aleph and the symbol Aleph, all that existed, whether you knew it was there or not. And that meaning was there, whether you knew it was there or not, just like the tree of life can be in front of you. And you're like, Whoa, that's cool. That's why art is so impactful. And you can walk through a museum and not know any meaning behind anything and still be impacted somehow. Yeah. Um, so the, all that meaning was still there, even if you didn't know it. And then you were applying your meaning to it. And once you put on a clearer lens and not your human flesh lens that was confused and forgot her path, like once you put on a 
a cleaner lens, a higher perspective, you were able to see all that meaning behind it that you were just kind of putting your meaning over top. Yeah. And the meaning that others, you know, the meaning that I associated with anything that related to my upbringing. But I thought it was just so interesting that you do always come back to the one. That's what it always comes back Mm -hmm. to. It always will because that's all there is. It's the all. It's the soup. We are the body of Christ. All of it. Um, Yeah. Oh, another symbol from the Bible too that um, you've probably heard of is the mark of the beast. So, (laughs) I mean, I, gosh, I've heard everything from 666 to having barcodes on the body to um, vaccines to numbers, literally anything. I mean, communism, social credit score thing, (laughs) whatever the hell. Like, there's so many things that could be interpreted as mark of the beast. But the point of symbolism and why I appreciate it so much is like I can say mark of the beast in how many it things brings, did I just describe? Right. It, it brings, could represent so much, which I know you've touched on earlier. Right. Um, one thing that I, when I was taking notes and preparing that I had to really be conscious of is that there's symbols, like literal symbols, Aleph, the peace sign, the cross, the hearts. Yin yang. Yin yang. All those Letters. literal symbols, but then there's symbolism. Yes. So something can be a symbol of something else a cardinal can be a symbol of a loved one that has passed so that's why i think symbolism is like you were saying so broad but also it's so important because it does represent so many things yeah um and it's kind of fun to have a broad conversation like this because it just shows how many places this comes up in and going forward we'll be able to reference back to this and to other baseline understandings and see how we're carrying it forward and we're all carrying the same carrying the same baton the same torch you know we're keeping that flame alive together Uh, and it's it's all the same thing yeah um and i think that's pretty much all i had about biblical symbolism i mean again i could go for days about that um so i think one thing that I would love to talk about is the tarot, yes. which you know so much about. I I picked two very specific. <laughs> You've been doing it longer than I have, though. I've been doing oracle card reading for longer. You had the wild unknown. Yeah, that's though. true. The wild unknown is a tarot deck. Yeah, that's tarot. But uh, anyhow, so tarot, I, I do have quite the history with. Um, the wild unknown is a is an artist tarot by Kim deck, Kranz. by the way, by Kim Kranz. Um, it's a fantastic tarot deck. So good. Uh, but Chas and I have learned to love the Rider Waite tarot deck, which that, is like the traditional. Yeah, it deck was illustrated seen. in like the late 1800s, I believe. Um, and it is a very deeply symbolic tarot deck, and it is the m- one that all the others are based off of, pretty much. So. Whenever we're talking about tarot symbolism, we are going to be referencing that deck and you will be able to Google RW or Rider Waite and then the card that we're talking about and see the card that we're talking about. And although the colors are something or slight things might be different, it's it's pretty much the same thing. There's like a centennial version and uh, oh gosh, I can't remember the woman who there it was a woman who illustrated it and Rider Waite commissioned her, but I can't remember her name. I don't remember. 
I'll remember later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, we both picked some tarot cards. So you go ahead and talk about yours. Yeah. So the first one I'm going to talk about is the justice card, which this will step back a little bit into the Libra Zodiac, Zodiac talk. Um, so justice, the justice card is the card of the Librans. Um, it represents us. It definitely looking at the symbolism on the card itself. Um, the first thought that I ever had when I found out that this card was associated with my sign was like, that's badass. Yeah. Um, so that is the initial Bring vibe down the hammer. Yeah. That's what I got, which <laughs> is very going back to my Aries moon emotion. It's very fiery. Yeah. So while, <laughs> it is. well, while justice is rather diplomatic and it's in its and nature, Aquarius rising, right? Yeah. Okay. Just to clarify. Yeah. So, the justice card is very diplomatic in its nature and so is Libra but my Aries moon brings that hammer down kind of attitude to it um anyways the it's an energy this diplomatic energy is also your intuition so it's about using your intuition to have that balance and provide justice to weigh it equally to be fair and that's something that I definitely strive to do as an individual. But I think I know that that's also the cause of overthinking at times. Because if you go too far one way, you're just thinking, thinking, <laughs> thinking. And if and, the, and this is my life. This is the story of my life, which is why I need Virgos to just be my little Grounding. anchor into the earth. That way, if I'm going back and forth, at least it's more of a sway and less of a like kerplunk. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, just just because Libras, though, do represent balance doesn't always mean that we are. Yeah. Um, well, because balance implies imbalance. Yes. Yeah. And I feel like, at least for me, the struggle of my Libra life is to maintain balance, which if there are any other Libras out there that feel the same... Let me know because it's just <laughs> rough sometimes. <laughs> Bonus points if you're an Aries moon and can relate. Um, <laughs> DM us. Yes, please. <laughs> but uh, one thing. Or in if the- you're a triple sign. I'm always curious. Yeah. Basically, if you're Virgo, I would love to have you in my life. <laughs> <laughs> She's taking applications. <laughs> Line them up. I'm not very picky. <laughs> I love it. Um. Yeah, so in if you're looking at the justice card, which I we I, I should have had one out here while we're talking about this. I pause. Okay, so yeah, if you are looking at the justice card, which I am, um, I'm going to talk about the sword that she is holding. Um, so basically the sword represents the tool to cut through confusing thoughts and ideas, or it can represent that. Obviously, you can find your own symbolism when I'm looking at this card, these are kind of my um, interpretations of it, I guess, because yeah. I think that's that's one important thing to mention about the tarot is that especially when you're learning the cards and studying them, it's about looking at them yeah. and seeing what you get from it. It's not just looking at the book no. and learning and what not the just book like Googling the meaning of a card. Yeah. I mean, those things are helpful and can help shape your overall outlook on a card but I think especially when you're doing a reading it's so important to know that like the sword could represent this for me right now or could represent this for me at a different time so um one interpretation of the sword is that it is the ability to cut through any confusing thoughts or ideas um also 
with the air sign. I believe swords is also associated. Yes, ser- swords in the tarot are air. With air, yep. Um, it's also card 11. And if you're looking at the card, you can also see like two pillars, which mimics mm-hmm. the number 11 as well. Um, and, and the balance and the, and the balance in the and left and the right up. and the lady in the center representing the equilibrium. Yep. So going back to Kabbalah because it also, it always goes back to that yeah. always. And, <laughs> and Kabbalah is just such a good symbol to use yes. to explain this. Cause in with the, there's pillars in Kabbalah too. Yeah. It's probably Severity these and pillars. Well, well the, well, the pillars in, uh, Oh gosh, the, uh, the mis- high priestess card, I believe, with the oh yeah yeah uh, the, the I forget what the letters stand for, but those gonna... those also that there's a black pillar and a white pillar that the, these symbols come up over and over again and they yeah. are continuously the same and different yeah um, and of course the the woman in the center is representative of the equilibrium or the center path or the path of mm-hmm. the arrow. Mm -hmm. Uh, one tidbit too, that I think is interesting. And I can't remember if I referenced, I I'm pretty sure I said this on the Kabbalah episode, but the idea of the, in the Bible, it talks about the veil that was ripped or the, the curtain Mm -hmm. that was ripped because of that happening. It allowed us to take the path of the arrow to where we didn't have to go. We didn't have to go through all of these other paths to get to the top. We could just go straight through whether or not we do is kind of up to us and how we live. But yeah, um, yeah. So the justice card overall, you know, she's holding the scales in her other hand, which is very representative of mm-hmm. Libra as well. Um, one and Lady Justice is often with those two yes. things, and then she's blindfolded. Yes. Right? Yep. I also saw different images of that too, and I was just like, yeah, researching general information yeah. about the card. Mm-hmm. Um, one other. Ca- oh, it's also a part of the Major Arcana. So that's pretty great too. Uh, The last card I want to talk about is the hanged man. Mm. So I feel like initially, um, yeah, I'm going to say all this. So I mentioned my father had passed by suicide, I believe in previous episodes and the method is here nor there, but it did happen to be by hanging. And the hanged man initially at first, after all that happened, had a very negative connotation to me because it naturally reminded me of, my dead dad so it wasn't a a positive card when I used to get it often in readings mm-hmm. um and ultimately I ended up associating it with him because mm-hmm. of the natural connection right. um anyhow the longer the more I looked into this card and the more it was coming up and the more frequent that I got it not only did I start to really associate it with my father so then the symbolism came into it when I was doing a reading and I needed guidance I would get the hanged man and I'm like oh sign from my dad symbol from my dad but if you look into what the hanged man means it's ultimately about letting go yeah it's about sacrifice um the ultimate sacrifice self-sacrifice mm-hmm. Jesus dying on the cross in this image he's on a tree and his legs are crossed his arms are behind his back I mean it, it makes a cross if he's, you're looking yeah. at it so um I think it's a really powerful and interesting card but I think it just shows that there can be so many connotations representations and symbols within this one card I feel like For justice sure. is pretty straightforward um you can draw other things from it but yeah even from the looks of it from the name i feel like it's pretty straightforward Mm -hmm. where the hanged man has a more of a mysterious Mm -hmm. uh 
view to it if you've never seen it before. For sure. You don't know whether to be freaked out or like, oh. Yeah. So, yeah. It and just, I think it can be either of those things yes, at any point in time. Any point in time and because they're all existing right. at the same yeah, time. exactly. So. Um, and there's a polarization to all of these. So maybe justice is straightforward, but there's still that polarization where maybe there's like, do justice and then there's undo justice where it's like or false justice and there's still that sliding scale of dark and light within everything so yeah you can for sure pull so many things from each card um the major arcana i feel like is really good i mean the the minor arcana has a lot of symbolism too in the drawings i mean they're very detailed the minor Um, arcana is great for very specific things But if you get do a reading with your whole deck and you get a lot of major arcana cards in there, that's going to be a probably going to be a very powerful reading. Yeah. It, in my experience, it usually is. Yeah. And I think major arcana, like even the name, it's just it's in the nature of the beast, really. For sure. Um, yeah. So it really all of this just it, it furthers my belief with even what I was saying about the crucifixion and repenting and all of that. Mm-hmm. It furthers my thought form that in order to reach the higher states of consciousness nirvana mm-hmm. the stairway to heaven in order to get to the top of those things you have to let go you have to make the ultimate sacrifice yep. which honestly we could spend so long just talking about that i mean there's books about it the art of letting go like yep. there's so give it to god there's the all these subtle art of not giving a fuck there's so many references to this and the fact that I feel like it's such a difficult thing for so many of us to do. It's like, why mm-hmm. though? When, when what is on the other side of that is like bliss. This all feels so real. Yeah. Okay. One last note about tarot. I don't really have a note about it, but I wanted to talk about it. And on one of our breaks, we decided that we would. Yeah. So the card is the tower. Mm-hmm. Uh, boy, oh boy. <laughs> I, I wanted to talk about this one too. And I didn't take any notes on it because I don't know. It's just a lot, yeah. man. So let's, I mean, we're going to do our best with I no notes. I feel like notes. anybody who's done any, any amount of tarot knows about the tower and they're like, ugh. The card is a very, for me personally, and I feel like for many, it's a very dreaded card sometimes. But it's it can also be. Great. But it's wonderful because when you get the tower, basically shit's going to hit the fan. Yeah. Which is a bummer. But what happens <laughs> after the shit hits the fan, after the shit said shit is gone Mm -hmm. is really an amazing amazing thing yeah it's it's a level up it's a new perspective it's healing it's growth it's so many things um i mean if you look the top is being blown off the crown and it's it's (laughs) mind-blowing um one other aspect of the card that i want to point out is the lightning bolt because yeah. that is also associated again Kabbalah yep. so it just it doesn't stop it never will um this card is very intense there's people flying out of windows <laughs> the buildings being struck by lightning the crowns flying off the uh it's on fire I mean it there's it's a lot and mm-hmm. the meaning behind the tower there's there's so many but it's basically kind of what I was saying it's it's a it's a moment where if if shit isn't already hitting the fan it's going to very soon at least that's my perspective on it and what i associate with that card because whenever i got it in a reading mm-hmm. that was was kind of my circumstance 
Yeah, or just uh, some other kind of life-shattering event is 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 happening. And maybe one thing I do want to point out though too is life-shattering and we're saying shit hitting the fan. I feel like it's almost referencing only very events that are super big big deals. But if you're doing a very basic reading and right. you get the tower, it doesn't have to be like my life is going to drastically change if I don't like interpret this I don't I don't know I'm trying to think of a basic reading and I'm not doing very well yeah I mean if you were doing a reading for let's say a new job or a relationship or something like that and you got the tower it wouldn't mean that that person is going to destroy your life necessarily or that job is going to destroy your life necessarily but it's going to be something that could possibly change your trajectory or you could meet somebody within there or something else could happen or maybe it's about something else completely or uh there's also some symbolism here there's uh the people falling from the building look very well dressed and they are literally falling from the top to the bottom so like the falling of power so this could be maybe you are uh, someone around you is, is losing position and that is leaving open an opportunity for you. Like there's a lot of different symbolism we can pull from that. There could also be a lot of like stormy night symbolism here with the dark clouds and the lightning bolt um, and the, the striking of the tower. This could be like the, the storm that happens and when it clears away, like you will see the rainbow at the end of the tunnel i don't know there was like a combining of some symbols there (laughs) (laughs) um but the the tower is is a great card when it comes up um to remind us that this storyline that we're playing out is always going to be changing and we have to learn to adapt when necessary um i heard somebody on tinfoil hat i think said this i don't even remember really where i heard it but someone said only dead fish go with the flow and i really liked that because (laughs) you are steering your way through this journey but you can't control everything and if there's the log in your your path you 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 gotta you you're you can't just avoid it all the ways you have to deal with the destruction at, yeah. at times. Um, and that's what the tower really represents. I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think the tower doesn't have to be this dreaded card. Like yeah. I perceive it to be at times. For sure. <laughs> Always good comes from it. So yeah, that we'll do a whole other episode on tarot because there's so much that could be said, but I definitely wanted to go into a couple of the cards for the sake of um, just showing symbolism some more and how yeah. certain things can mean different symbolism in multiple ways. Yeah. And I have a couple cards I wanted to talk about too. Um, you talked about justice, which um, is the card that is associated with Libra. And I wanted to talk about the hermit, which is the card that is associated with the Virgo. Um, this card has an old man. Uh, there's not a lot in the background of this card. Um, and he's holding a lantern in his right hand and a staff in his left hand. 
Um, he's standing on like an icy mountain cap and he is just looking down. He's wearing a very modest robe. Um, and this card really symbolizes the inner higher perspective that you have to develop in order to really gain this higher perspective. Um, at some point in everyone's journey, you have to go inward and you have to retreat and withdraw for at least some period, whether symbolically or literally. I think a lot of people need that literal in our time because there is not a lot of withdrawal these days. So some literal withdrawal going into books, into solitude. This whole last year has been a lot of interesting solitude, but it's been the wrong kind. Once again, a bastardized uh, version of solitude where we are forced into solitude for no reason. Anyway, um, the hermit card has a lot of symbols of wisdom. Um, the lamp that he carries, if you look closely, actually carry, uh, has the six pointed star in it, um, which is the Solomon seal. And it is a symbol of wisdom. Um, and in the left hand, which is the subconscious hand, is the hand that he has that staff in. So that's going to represent that masculine authority, power, uh, that control you gain over your spirituality when you withdraw and you meditate and you right. open yourself up to this energy. I'm not even much of a Star Wars fan, but again, I'm just watching it all. And this just, it's the force. Like you, it's literally the force. It's you learn to work with the force and the matrix and the, the simulation. And this hermit card represents that going inward. Um, and it's corresponds with the Virgo because we are very detail oriented people and we look within for the meanings within these details and we can make connections very easily and, we uh, are very analytical and internal in our processing. Um, and then the other card I wanted to talk about is the Fool. So the Fool is the very first major arcana card. It is the zero card. Um, and it is the card where you're going to have this Fool energy throughout the entire major arcana. So a lot of people often call the major arcana the Fool's Journey. Um, So that's why you have it as the zero card. It is going to maintain some energy throughout the entire tarot deck. Uh, So the fool is standing on a cliff looking out into the sky. Uh, He carries a white flower, which represents uh, innocence and uh, just his uh, un undying innocence and loyalty to the world um he's looking up into the sky not realizing he's about to walk off a cliff so he is foolish in that nature but it's an innocence it's not like a a dumb fool kind of situation and he's got just like a little knapsack on his shoulder uh the sun is shining down which again is that archetypal sun energy of uh masculine energy and he has like the, the mountains behind him which represent all the challenges that he's about to face but he's right. not he's not worried about that mm-hmm. right now um and then he has that little white dog so white again is that pure color uh and it represents protection and a loyal man's best friend um so this is a very innocent card and we all have that fool energy whenever we start on any journey. So 
we are on our fool's journey with this podcast. Right. Um, we all ha- are on our own fool's journey and it is also in alignment with the, the hero's journey. So yeah, that's, that's the fool card energy. And, uh, this is the card that I think will really help you get associated with the tarot as well, because it is that first intro into the tarot. You are the fool as you learn about these symbols and, you learn about the occult and you learn about all this new knowledge. So don't be intimidated by all these symbols. Just learn to be the fool and in, embrace that fool symbolism and that fool archetype and just dive right in with us. Yes. Um, so one more thing I wanted to talk about that is kind of random, but I was on Facebook and I came across a picture of that piece of art by Michelangelo on the ceiling of the Sistine Chapel of God reaching down. I'm sure you've all seen it. Google it. If you haven't, you can't picture it, but it's a picture of God represented as a bearded old God man. (laughs) And he's surrounded by angels and he's reaching down from the heavens to, to touch Adam's hand. And Adam is a very strong, young, naked man who is leaning out to reach and touch God's hand, but he's not leaning. He could just lean and touch God's hand. God is outstretched as far as he can reach, and they still don't touch in the painting. Uh, And this just represents how we could touch God at any moment, but it is our choice. It is man's choice. Um, But this got me thinking about the Kabbalah again <laughs> um and how kether and the magical image of kether is a bearded king in profile and in the sistine chapel god is in profile adam you can see a little bit of the other side of his face and he's completely naked also so it's <laughs> not like he's hiding anything um but the magical image of yesed i believe is e- a naked man in a naked man who's very strong. Um, and that represents the energy right before we lead into Malkut, um, which is the earth plane. So this painting has a lot deeper meaning behind it when you look at it like that, because you literally have symbolism from the Kabbalah being represented in this art that is being added upon by Michelangelo and all his symbolism that he's applying into this. And then you could get into even the angels and there's angels behind God in this painting. And we could look into the symbolism behind those specific angels and on the tree. And there's just so much we could apply to that. Um, so with that, those are a lot of different symbols as examples. Um, a few other things I wanted to talk about. So let's talk about a little bit um, in the realm of witchcraft and sigils yes. in this type of symbolism. So this is a little more practical uh, use of symbols. Um, of course, just recognizing symbols every day is very important. But what we can do with our intention and our psychic intent and abilities um, can really be amplified when we are using symbols. So a sigil is a type of symbol that is created whether by 
man or there are some sigils that represent angels and demons and seals uh, seals of alchemical symbols yeah there's lots of ancient sigils and certain symbols like that but you can create a sigil by writing out an intent statement the more specific the better and the more present tense the better um and you there's a l- couple different ways of doing this. The way that I've always done it is you remove all the vowels and then you remove all repeating letters. Yeah, of your phrase. Right? Yeah, like, of the phrase that you've just written yeah, out. So like so, a mantra or like, yeah. I am safe or right. I will be right. successful. Right. Not I, you, I am or successful. I am successful. Yeah, because right. you got to be careful with present yeah, tense those, and those words. Again, they're symbols and the letters are symbols. So. I am versus I will be. Those are very important. Right. Um, so I am successful. I am wealthy. I am present. I am focused. Like those are all simple ones. You can have very complex ones. Uh, but you remove the vowels. You remove repeating letters. And then with the letters that you have left from your phrase, you separate them into sh- basic shapes like lines, dots, curves, etc. And then using those shapes, you create a symbol. So you don't have to be super artistic. You just kind of have to throw it together. You don't even have to use all the lines. It just has to feel right and look right and incorporate that original meaning. And then it's best to charge that symbol with either burning the paper that you wrote it on. And I, I usually bury the ashes somewhere, give it back to the earth, or uh, even... There's a lot of different things you can do with it. You, you charge could, it under the moon. Yeah, you, you could put it under the, the moon. Sun. You could keep it under your pillow if it's like I'm going to get better sleep or something put it in like your that. Shoe. You can uh, sage it and carry it around with you. There's a lot of different things you can do with it. But that is the creation of a symbol. And the basic premise is you forget what the original exact phrase is. And you have that original meaning. So you can use that symbol and because it's a subconscious specific intent, it's going to be amplified in meaning because it's keeping you in connection with your higher consciousness and your higher subconscious because it's a deeper intention imbued into this symbol. Yeah. Um, and that kind of leads me into a discussion about just like nature magic and folk magic a little bit. I just kind of want to talk about that for a second because there is a lot of symbolism in that as well. Um, if anybody is into the witchy aesthetic or just looks at like hashtag witches of Instagram, you're going to see a lot of candles and herbs and crystals. And while they're all pretty and I feel like they're easy to be very woke and bullshit when you can just kind of take pretty pictures and say pretty things and get a lot of followers that can be very shallow and fake. Um, But there is still a lot of truth to that. There is certain candles that have certain colors that represent certain things that you roll in certain herbs that represent certain things. And then you burn for a certain amount of time that represents a certain thing. And then you take that candle remnants and you do something with it, which represents a different yeah, thing. Yeah. And using all that layers of symbolism, you're just building upon that intent. And that's all that magic is. That's all that folk magic is. That's all that ritual magic is. Again, we. And that's that, all that talesmen's are. That's all. Right. That's, it's Kabbalah. 
It's it, just building up on that intent. And when you understand that's what magic is, you realize you're not going to be shooting lightning bolts out of your fingertips. Maybe like at some crazy higher dimensional ex- perspective, that's like somehow possible, but that's not at all what we're talking about. No. And that's not what I'm capable of. Um, we can get into like physical alchemy and how that may or may not be possible on some level, but that's not the realm of what we know as these flesh humans right now. And what we do know is what we can manipulate and work with right now and get results from, which is our energy, which is candles, which is herbs, which, which are so many things. And that's when you realize that about magic, like you were saying, it makes it so much more useful because you're not waiting around for some, mighty experience you know where you make the rainfall or something although (laughs) (laughs) i mean there is serious like we did have that one night (laughs) no weather weather is manipulatable though yeah it really is there is it's all just energy anyway and there's a lot of uh, that's like strong shit like i'm not saying i can make it rain right now i mean (laughs) (laughs) I wish. Anyway, Sarah um, and I all had one night where we were practicing different forms of witchcraft, and um, it, it did end up raining. And we thought it was just a really funny coincidence because it, yeah. we had tried to plan out this whole night so perfectly and do all the right things, and, just and then it just downpoured after we had literally put the intention out there of connecting with angels and guides yeah. and all of these and then it was just like rain yeah so yeah i think that weather manipulation is definitely possible oh, for sure. but what i i think what we were getting at is that you don't have to wait for something crazy to happen you can do magic right now the, the magic i read i think it is, was actually in the psychic witch book by matt or yeah. Arin, which i think we discussed a little bit last time magic is that that moment in between that present moment so on your inhale it's that present awareness as you're holding it. Mm-hmm. And then the exhale is the energy that you expel. Mm-hmm. But that in between, that's magic. Mm-hmm. When that feeling of intuition, when you get that tarot spread and it blows your mind, yeah. that's magic. Yeah. And you can do that at any time of any day, anywhere, any way you want to. Or you put out the intent of finding a better job and it just finds you. Because law of attraction. Yeah. So, yeah, we we have. And if it's a really difficult job, if it's a really uh, unlikely job, then you make a sigil and you charge it with a certain oil and a certain herb and you, you burn it. Draw and that you shit on your candle foot. and then you meditate on it <laughs> and then you apply to a million jobs. Don't get me wrong. You still have to do that. Right. But it will happen more likely if you're putting all that intent into it. Rather than just like applying to a bunch of jobs and being like, man, what's going to happen? Because it's still going to happen in an unlikely way. You still have to apply for the jobs. But maybe you're like applying for the jobs and they're like, hey, some guy just died and we actually want you for that position. It's way better. And you're like, oh, shit, cool. But you wouldn't have been there if you hadn't have done that. And if you hadn't have done the spells, you might have applied a little earlier and gotten your interview a little day earlier. You know what I mean? Like so all that intent is there. And just by you doing the spell, you're interacting with the matrix. And you, if you can be the most powerful magician and have zero tools, that's what psychic witch is all about. But those tools are just 
easy ways of using your hands in the physical realm to manipulate physical things into your intent, which will then transfer into thought forms, which transfers in the astral realm. And here we are in our little circle again. Yes. Um, So, yeah. And this has been practiced forever. And again, when archaic things are introduced into the modern times, it's all of the ancestors before us that have used it. All of the people that have put in thought before us that have uh, created these things that are also important. Also, a lot of herbs in magic uh, actually have medicinal properties. I right. wanted to talk about St. John's wort and how it can like severely boost serotonin. Um, and it can also be used in spells for uh, uplifting energy and positivity and stuff like that. So yeah. there's legitimate like medical properties to some of these herbs. Um, so much so I, I actually was just having a conversation today that these synthetic versions of certain medicines you know you get side effects Mm -hmm. sometimes the herbal versions that these synthetic medicines are based off of are so powerful that like you have to be careful of the side effects because they can be similar to that of synthetic that's whatever but just made me think of it um and another thing is i wanted to talk about uh like apples and apple wood and all the symbolism behind apples. I mean, like Eve ate the apple and the forbidden fruit and divine feminine and knowledge. That's all, uh, very feminine and, uh, very healing and mystical aspects to apple and apple wood. And if you look into like ancient uses to like apple wood wands and stuff like that, they're used in healing magic and love magic. Like they're all interrelated. There's not just random reasons and random herbs, which you can usually tell a woke witch when they're like, lavender is great. (laughs) And my rose quartz in a bathtub. (laughs) (laughs) And like that's like the depth of it. Um, Uh, I have to interject here and talk. So earlier in the show, we talked about how we were doing this experiment. Tell a what? Tell a what? So um, during a time when we were not recording today, Sarah actually guessed my first color. And you also just said my second color. Which was lavender. So stop it. Now that we're actually recording this time, I had to take the opportunity to say it. No. So now I have to pick yet a third color because (laughs) Sarah lives in my head and (laughs) telepathy is working. So tell a hell yeah. Tell a what? What? (laughs) No way. Yeah. So now I have to pick a third color, which I'm going to do later because I can't think about it right now. So thank you. But also it's working, guys. (laughs) Anyway, after I accidentally guessed Chas's word. For a second time today. (laughs) For a second time today. um, That's pretty much all I had about uh, magic and sigils and symbolism and witchcraft. So that leads us to like the end of show. Uh, Chas is breaking open the notebook. Uh, But that leads us to pop culture and... (laughs) social engineers conspiracy talk um can i take this opportunity i like can't even wait the next episode we're going to record is about conspiracies but i have to have this conversation now and we're gonna have it again tomorrow because i am like constantly disturbed by this but red pill is a 
phrase that we use often and it is uh from the matrix and morpheus has the red pill and the blue pill and the red pill wakes you up from the matrix blah 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 i was randomly googling red pill versus black pill because i hear like sam tripoli in tinfoil hat talk about this all the time and i just wanted to like clarify what black pill meant and i somehow found myself on a subreddit called x red pill (laughs) and it's like about all these men who just like talk about being like predators what the hell and it's like called like red pilled men and like like red pilling and i was so confused and like x red pill is like men who are like i realized that was douchey or something i don't know i'm very confused weird and i just wanted to clarify that's not what we're talking about and i had no idea that was a thing and oh my god if that's what you think red pilling is like where did why is that red pilling though i couldn't figure that out i couldn't figure that out anyway we're gonna talk about symbolism in the conspiracy realm (laughs) i just had to throw that in there i literally was thinking about it every day since i learned about it um but there's a lot of symbols in pop culture that show us that there are people in power in hollywood in the media in our commercials, in our government, in all, all of these places. Uh, and ones that we don't even know about. Ones that live in mansions that are in woods that are in your state. Like or they are the everywhere. Uh, but these are people who are into the occult and they are into the dark occult often. Or they are influenced by people who are into the dark occult. And these people are what we like to call the social engineers and their symbolism, which is also occult symbolism, shows up a lot. And Chas is particularly excited about this. I okay, I'm excited because I while I feel like I am very much going through always will be going through my awakening I freaking love pop culture sometimes. I mean, I just do. I just do. So one thing that you, if I think it's pretty well known and obvious from pop culture, one symbol is, is the triangle uh, that you'll see a lot of like musicians and actors. They'll, you know, if a photograph is taken of them, they're standing with their hands in a triangle or two index fingers together, fingers and thumbs together together. or hands. Like either way, it's that, it's that basic shape. So they might be leaning and holding their hands like that or holding it over their heart or holding it over their eye. The all seeing eye is another one too. Or when they um, put one hand over one their hand eye. over the eye representative of the Illuminati. And, and uh, okay. So let's talk about the Illuminati also yes. for a second right there, because uh, I really don't like using that word for the social engineers because right. the Illuminati means the illuminated, the one who sees, the one right. who knows. And we're the fucking Illuminati. We are the ones who see. And they see, but they don't want us to see, but which again, is why they cover one eye. It's a bastardization of it, right? Right, right. So right. And they often will use symbolization for Mars and Saturn energy and take out those other energies that balance out those severe energies because they are bastardizing these spiritual concepts. Um, But that's what that like covering of the eye means, too, is like they know that there is more that they're not letting us see and they are covering up the most divine 
And yeah. yes, Cather is the, the king in profile, but they are covering up the king in profile. They're not allowing, like, the, the image, the vision of seeing God face to face is Chakma. So Cather has nothing to do with it. They are covering up half of Chakma, half of that God archetype, that image. So they are taking half of the picture away from you. Yeah. And just for some more um, conspiracy porn, if you will, yeah. um, when it comes to different symbols, going back to that that eye or eye of Horus, all-seeing eye, mm-hmm. you'll find it everywhere. I, I, I watched this. We've both seen the documentary Thrive. Mm-hmm. And there's this great portion where they basically put up this whole entire infographic of every symbol and how you can oh, yeah, see an eye great. in it. So it's from like the Walmart symbol where like the, mm-hmm. you know, it's shining out, illuminate, Illuminati, mm-hmm. whatever. Uh, the Chase Bank symbol. The dollar bill. The dollar bill. The CBS symbol on television. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it's everywhere, everywhere. Oh, yeah. And that's literally four examples. And there's so, there's many, so many more. Even if you just look at, I think it's Johnson and Johnson or something. There's like a. I don't know that that actually might be something else. So maybe disregard that. But I mean, but in that realm, the masks that are covering our faces often right now, uh, the covering of our mouths and the censoring of many people who are speaking out against or for certain things. Um, I believe in gathering information from all sides and from all perspectives and even if someone is delusional and crazy, that is still a perspective of the world. Right. And they may have something that someone else doesn't have. And I'm not saying just go listen to crazy people, but we need to listen to everybody. We need to listen to every perspective, every demographic, every different side of this story, whether you identify with a Republican, a Democrat, a man, a woman, a uh, I don't it doesn't matter no. none of that matters but we need to listen to everybody's perspective completely um, agree. so when there are people that are being censored for their perspective crazy as it may be we need to take them seriously and either prove them wrong or study it further regardless of that information being put out there and if we did that more often there'd be less crazy wild conspiracies out there but of course we could never do that because they are hiding stuff from us yes and i mean even going with censorship just going to touch on this very light ever so lightly (laughs) but i mean it's a right you guys like it's a right of ours in america and i hate it when i say say that what i hate it when i say you guys because like i'm talking to you but whatever anyhow to say that I have less rights when I can literally do whatever I want right now and to convince people that they can't do what they literally can. Yes. Freedom is our birthright. It's not about. And I'm talking lit- like literally. Yes. I can literally walk out the door right now. And do whatever I want. And that's our birthright. That's what I mean. Freedom is our birthright. It's not about this whole... Even laws and everything. It's all all made up. All of it is man-made. Freedom, being free individuals and sovereign individuals in America or elsewhere, we we have this innate power source within us to do whatever the hell we want. And 
it's our responsibility. It's a huge responsibility. Right. Knowing that you can do whatever you want, it means that that's where I feel like morality comes into play too because yes, we are sovereign beings. Yes, we can do whatever we want, but I'm not just going to go do something awful right. to strangers or people I care about. Right. That's just like the concept of like legalizing all drugs. All of a sudden people are going to do a bunch of drugs. Like that's not true. That's not no. how that works. If you legalize all drugs, all of a sudden you just have a lot less criminals and you have a lot less people to throw in and get free labor in a prison system. Uh, but you have a lot of people who can get access to things that they are addicted to and they can also get access to help for those addictions. And that's a whole different issue. But it's the idea that these laws have literally any actual effect on us as sovereign people except for convincing us they do. When we believe they have an effect on us, that's when they have an effect on right. us. And obviously, like, if I walked into a grocery store naked, like, I'd probably get arrested. <laughs> but that's, like, a... a a situation that I've accepted, I'm never going to put myself in. I'm never going to want to deal with that consequence. And I'm going to move on with my life. I right. don't need to go to the grocery store naked. No. That's fine. No. Um, I'm not going to hit my bong in the grocery store either. Um, I'm just going to just follow those laws because it's convenient and because it is polite. And obviously I'm not going to kill people and right. I'm not going to steal things and I'm not going to do things of obvious moral devaluation. Um, but those are because my moral compass is better than that. And I say this all the time to people when I'm having like, up pep up talks to people where if everyone just thought about themselves we'd all be better off if you stopped worrying <laughs> about everybody other else. people if you stop worrying about what other people thought about you if you stopped worrying about if other people cared what you did if you stopped worrying about anything about other people except for yourself you'd be better off and you you and would end up being nicer to other people if you did this because if you were caring about yourself and you were genuinely loving yourself and not just egotistical like i'm gonna Selfish, fuck everyone else to right. get to the top like that's not loving yourself that's just hating everybody else and that is a dichotomy that you have to recognize and when you recognize that and you polarize yourself to the center and you actually care for yourself suddenly you realize that holding that door for the person who has their hands full is going to make your day better right they're going to raise their vibrations and because they're happier and you made that person happier you're going to be happier and at the end of the day caring for yourself is caring for others yes. and when you understand that fundamental concept all of a sudden you don't care if you are just like having the time of your life singing in your car and someone's like laughing at you, you don't care about that because like I'm having the time of my life. You have a great day, sir. <laughs> but if you are in a grocery store naked and it's disturbing people, you're, you're going to cause a scene. So you're going to follow those laws. Like it has nothing to do with the actual laws. It just Correct. has something to do with the people around you and yourself and your self preservation and your self comfort and your, uh, self-actualization like that's just your own personal journey it all comes down to you and your personal journey yeah. you know what I mean like I'm not gonna screw you over because we are really close friends and we are one and we've grown together and yes that that is never even a question because people who are actually of that higher perspective are 
outside of that egotistical selfishness and they're inside that spiritual selfishness that is like, I'm going to preserve me. So I'm going to preserve you. You know what I mean? We is me. We is me. (laughs) Uh, That is a little title of a series we're going to eventually do of interview podcasts uh, where we just interview people about their spiritual experiences. (laughs) The pizza's here. (laughs) Anyway, our pizza got here. Uh, (laughs) So this podcast is ending shortly if. That wasn't obvious, um, but I was just talking about we as me. It's eventually we're going to start interviewing people about their spiritual experiences just to give you another lens to see the world through. Um, but anyway, I want to finish these conspiracy things so we can go eat pizza. Um, yes. But I really did want to talk about that. We got through pretty much everything. The, the mask, obviously, censorship is very related. Uh, also, the ritual hand washing is very interesting, and I wanted to use that as a segue into a very convincing conspiracy theory that uh, I found very intriguing in the beginning of my awakening into this red pill territory of uh, social engineers. Um, And that is the cremation of care ritual at Bohemian Grove that Alex Jones has talked about. Mm. Uh, You can find this footage. It is a super rich elite club where they just like go get naked in California and do some weird cremation of care ceremony involving like an owl and robes and burning of these weird things. And why it, well, the cremation of care, it's what it's so they can do evil, evil things and evil ceremonies and operate on the tree of death without feeling as if they uh, feel bad about it. They don't care about it anymore. And this ritual hand washing is almost like, the washing away of the truth constantly the the stay clean stay safe stay brainwashed yeah and going uh even back to a biblical sense you know when um i believe it was the high i can't remember the name now gosh it was the high priest who was essentially making judgments on whether or not jesus would be crucified or Mm. punished and basically there is a scene that i've vividly remember from a church play that I grew up doing where Pilot, Pontius Pilate, that's what it is. Um, he washes his hands of the blood. So he's washing his hands of his consequences of any consequences mm-hmm. that might happen from that crucifixion. So it's the, it's the washing away of truth and responsibility and knowledge. Yeah, no, that's literally what we're doing with all the hand washing and this cremation of care ritual is this performance that goes on and whether or not it is a bunch of random people or a bunch of elites, I don't think it really matters because they have enough money to go off to a retreat in the middle of nowhere. They're rich enough to do that. Rich people all are elite people. They all know each other and they're all interconnected. Uh, My boyfriend actually worked for a guy who is really, really, really rich, the richest guy in like our area of this state. And he worked for like a horse farm that was like one of his, his properties. And a guest on tinfoil hat talked about one of his islands. Oh my God. And I don't know if he owned the island or if it's like an island adjacent. It's like, like little St. James. I no, that's, that's Epstein's that's Epstein island. One, yeah. it's, a, it's another island like that in our area. And I don't even remember 
it, it doesn't matter what the name is. Um, yeah. But he has these. And oh, I think he had a property like near Epstein's Island, too. Just like a few miles or something away Ugh. and they they all know each other. you don't know this guy like no one knows i could tell you his name right now and you wouldn't know him right but he know probably knew epstein he was probably at parties that he was at or he was probably at parties with people who were at parties where this guy was at you know what i mean and doesn't matter how many people removed it is if it's one person that's close enough as far as i'm concerned and if these people are doing cremation and care they got enough money to know what they're doing right uh, I heard somewhere someone say millionaires don't know about astrology and the occult. Billionaires do. Yeah, I just heard that. Yeah, the other it's day. Ugh, it's so per- it's it's exactly right because a millionaire like you can be a millionaire off of anything these For days. Sure. Like you can just get a million dollars and you're technically a millionaire. But a billion, that's insane. That's an insane amount of money. That's a a million million. <laughs> that's absolutely nuts, dude. A billion. A million million. That's not just like a little more than a million. That's not like a hundred thousand to two hundred thousand. That's like a million, one million dollars. So there's like a million millionaires out there. Cause like there's at least a million people who made them or won some lottery or got lucky or got an inheritance or sold their Bitcoin or some shit. Like there's a million millionaires out there. So anyway, that's all I have on conspiracy notes. We're the next episode we're gonna do is like conspiracy one oh one red pill cafe situation. <laughs> um and we'll dive into it then. But I hope you enjoyed this podcast. It was a little all over the place, but it it's a big subject and it will become clearer and clearer as we go forward. Yeah. Yeah. So enjoy. Cool. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.